This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. What's going on, everybody? Welcome into Hog Hoops Live. I am your host, Curtis Wilkerson. You can find me over at hogsports.com alongside Trey Biddy, Danny West, and Andrew Ellis. Arkansas held serve last night with a top 20 victory over Missouri. We're going to break that down. Why it was such an important game for the Hogs on their home floor. We're going to look ahead to a road trip against Auburn. It's going to be interesting to say the least. That's just the tip of the iceberg today. We got a lot going on. Should be a fun show. Looking forward to it. Let's get started. All right, like always, you know all the ways to watch and listen at this point. We certainly do appreciate any of those likes, thumbs up, five-star reviews. Those things really do help us a ton when it comes to expanding our reach. Uh, we want to get out there to all the Razorback fans, so we definitely appreciate those things. Sorry for the weird start time today. I, know I usually do these you know, late morning after a game, so I appreciate everybody who's tuning in live. Uh, you know, Obviously, we had a late game in Bud Walton Arena Wednesday night. The assumption was, you know, that we would have a press conference sometime on Thursday to preview the Auburn game, uh, you know, since the team was traveling down there on Friday. But, it, you know, it took a while for us to get that time. We weren't really sure. Uh, we had it at 1.30, so I wanted to do the show afterwards because, I, you know, I didn't want to sit in front of this camera and ramble on for an hour only to get a bunch of new info from Eric Musselman right afterwards. Uh, I think it looks like I made a great decision because the last you know hour or two has been kind of nuts, really. So let's touch on maybe the new developments here first. Um, I mean, it starts with Nick Smith Jr., right? I mean, that's how we start every show. Uh, obviously, unless you're you know kind of living under a rock, literally, uh, you, you know that Nick's been out indefinitely, right? Knee management, we talked about it. Uh, but he was not with the team uh, on the bench for the Missouri game on Wednesday a spokesperson for the program told us before tip-off that he was seeing a specialist uh, for that knee. So um, we didn't ask Eric Musselman about it last night after the Missouri game because we knew we were going to get him on Thursday today, uh, and, and we did ask him about it today, and he shed a little bit of light on the situation. Uh, what Musk said is, quote, um, he has seen a specialist, remains in L.A., so he's, he's out in Cali for that. Uh, I would assume that uh, that will be the case for the next, not to speculate, but I mean, that's probably going to be the case throughout the rest of the month. And then where it is at at that point, probably reevaluate it, but certainly not the expectation that he'll play in the next few games. So sound like at the very least the rest of the month of January, maybe we don't expect to see Nick Smith uh, and, and who knows what will happen if they decide to reevaluate at that point. We did ask Muss. 
you know, based on his comments, if he meant that Nick was going to remain in California through the end of the month, which I, I feel is pertinent with, you know, classes starting at the U of A here pretty soon, uh, to which he responded, no, no, uh, I'm saying that we can anticipate that he will not be playing. So there you go. Right. Again, I feel bad for the kid. I feel bad for the fans. I feel bad for the program. It's just it's an unfortunate situation all around. Personally, I'm exhausted from it. Uh, you know, in this news today coming from us, it doesn't really give me a whole lot of optimism that he will eventually return. But, you know, we've just got to got to wait and see how this thing plays out. I, I do like, you know, we've had indefinite, indefinite. It kind of still sounds that way, but at least, uh, you know, we were given a, a little bit of an update on what was going on, right? Out to see a specialist in L.A. Doesn't sound like we're going to see him at, at the bare minimum through the rest of the month of January. So there you go. While, I mean, literally while all this was happening, my phone's going bonkers during the press conference uh, because Texas finally decided they're going to fire Chris Beard, right? So that leads to two immediate questions if you're a Razorback fan. One, has Ron Holland already flipped to Arkansas? And two, uh, are the Longhorns going to go after Eric Musselman? You know, with Ron, a couple days ago, he put out a tweet just kind of reaffirming his, his commitment to Texas um, and interim head coach Rodney Terry, which I, I thought was probably the most you know, pertinent information that came from that tweet. Uh, I have to imagine that his family had a pretty strong hunch of how this was going to play out with Beard. I don't know that for a fact. That, that's an assumption, but I have a feeling they, they had a pretty good idea of what was going on there. You know, but uh, listen, it, it's far from guaranteed that Texas retains Rodney Terry at the end of the season, whether that's just by, you know, removing the interim tag and, and naming him a permanent head coach or even keeping him on staff if, if they hire a new guy. Man, there's just a lot of uncertainty there that has to be considered. I, I would hate to be in, in the situation that the Hollands are in right now. You know, you thought you had this wrapped up, um, you know, that he was all set and, and good to go for his future. Man, it's just a storm going going down in Austin right now. So, um, you know, as of right now, he remains committed to Texas signed at texas um, if he decides to open it up and get out of that national letter of intent arkansas would welcome him with open arms a word of advice though to arkansas fans do not please do not continuously you know tweet gifts of chris beard in pinstripes at, at holland all right just don't do that his mom's already put out a tweet she's kind of respect respectfully asking folks not to do that and to kind of refrain from tagging them and all that nonsense you, you know like I said, it's a tough situation for them to be in. So be aware of that, right? It's funny. You know, we, we laugh at, at the expense of, of Texas or any of the rivals, but, uh, you know, it does impact other people in, in big ways and they don't want that. And if you're an Arkansas fan that wants to get them to flip, eh, you might, might avoid that one a little bit, right? You know, as for Muss, you know, it appears that he might have some sort of non-compete in his contract uh, within the SEC. I don't know the details on that or how easy that kind of thing is to get around. I need to, you know, now that now that job is open in Texas, I need to kind of go and, and, and maybe dig deeper into Muss's contract and see what the details are. Um, you know, I also don't know how it would impact Texas, which is currently not in the SEC, but they're coming soon, right? It's maybe an interesting thing to keep an eye on there. Uh, but that said, you can bet your ass that Eric Musselman is going to be on the short list of candidates uh, mentioned. I mean, in fact, he already is. 
right? Our man, Eric Bossy over at 24 seven sports, he, you know, he put out a list of eight potential candidates um, already probably had that one waiting, uh, but Muss is on it. Right. And, that, and that's no surprise at all. Uh, here's what, here's what Bossy had to say about that though. Let me pull it up. He says, whether or not Eric Musselman would have even the slightest desire to leave Arkansas is a fair question. He's got the Razorbacks rolling. He has all the resources in the world, and by all accounts, he's happy with the monster program that he's building in Fayetteville. He's likely a long shot. He's also a phone call that 100% has to be made. I agree with this. Musselman isn't just a tremendous coach and proven program builder. He's a one-man marketing tsunami. Beard was very good about promoting the Texas brand. However, Musselman is probably the single best promoter of his program that there is in all of college basketball. His understanding of a media, both social and traditional, has been a huge asset for him. Musk can recruit too. He was right there in the mix of things with Ron Holland before he picked Texas, and his 2022 class featured a pair of five-star players in Anthony Black and Jordan Walsh who call Texas home. Another thing to be aware of. Also, he certainly knows how to keep talent at home, keeping the likes of 2022's number one player Nick Smith and current Golden State Warrior Moses Moody in Arkansas. Outside of this, he's a wizard when it comes to the transfer portal. By any standard, Musselman would be a home run hire. Can Texas get him? Again, it would be a tough sell given all he has at Arkansas. But again, you have to at least try. I thought that was well written there by Bossy. Man. Never a dull moment, you know. You guys happy that I waited to start the show? I am. I feel like that's some pertinent stuff. Sheesh. All right. Let's talk a little basketball, though, right? Because Arkansas just picked up a big win. Number 13, Hogs. Number 20, Missouri Tigers. You know, that was the first um, SEC home opener for the Razorbacks that featured a pair of ranked teams. Arkansas got the win, 74-68. to 68. Guys, this was a massive win, in my opinion, for Arkansas for many reasons. I mean, there's a reason why Musk called this a must win after the game. He doesn't just throw that term around for the heck of it. You know, I think for starters, you let one slip away on the road at LSU. You know, we know how hard it is to win games in other SEC venues, but that goes for Bud Walton Arena as well, right? You know, so the Hogs needed a bounce back, and they needed to set the tone by protecting home court. And they did both of those things. You know, check, check. You certainly didn't want to fall to 0-2 in SEC play with, with a trip to Auburn and a home game with Alabama on deck. I mean, that's not an easy stretch. Yes, I, I get it. You know, Arkansas has proven the last couple years that, you know, it can overcome those slow starts and the downswings. Uh, you know, that doesn't mean that they have to put themselves in that position every year, right? That's the progression of a program. Avoid things like that. We talked about it a ton on this show. You know, despite everything uh, that, that's gone wrong, I guess you could say, or, or, you know, all the adversity, I guess, is a better way to put it, that Arkansas has gone through, they've really put themselves in great position. They've avoided those ugly losses, those lengthy downswings. Uh, good. You know, check again, Right. And then, you know, just as, as as soon as folks start, you know, kind of peeping the resume a little bit, questioning Arkansas, you know, that, that's what happens after a loss. What happens? The Hogs go and pick up a top 20 win over a team that has exploded onto the national scene of late. You know, Missouri has become kind of the darling of college basketball with those big wins over Illinois 
and Kentucky. They've got the, the young new coach. It's got the program rolling. A lot of eyes were on Missouri and a lot of people were starting to question the hogs. Uh, boy, they really answered the bell. I, I think it was a big win. The second ranked victory of the year for the Razorbacks. It joins uh, San Diego state and Maui. It's interesting. Uh, you know, Arkansas had a 17 point comeback in this game. Uh, that's the largest deficit they've come back from the season, aside from 13 against San Diego state. So they had to battle back in both of these, uh, but you know, Arkansas, they're now up to four wins in the first two quadrants. That's a good place to be, uh, you know, at this point in January with most of the conference slate ahead of you and no bad losses. So the hogs are really strong in all the metrics here, which is what you want to see. But, and, and listen, you know, I, all those things are great, but I, but I think, you know, this game also mattered internally. And that might be the most important factor in all of this to me. You know, think about the last couple weeks. What have we been hearing? This isn't the Arkansas team we expected. Too many injuries. Their ceiling is lower. They can't overcome the loss of, of Brazil and Nick Smith. Hey, listen, I'll, I'll be the first one to admit that this team has a much different look, you know, than it did with two future draft picks who they kind of built everything around. I get it. These guys are still very, very talented. They just needed to prove it in this league against a good team, and they did that by knocking off Missouri. So there's work to be done. There's a long road ahead, but I think it was a great step in the right direction and really like a confidence and momentum boost that I think this group kind of needed. Maybe they can take off now. We'll see. But, but it was far from easy, right? Game was wild. Mentioned it, but Arkansas had to rally back from 17 down to win this thing. I think it was like 25 to 8 at one point in the first half. Man, it looked rough. Rough. I think it was worse than the first half at LSU for a stretch there offensively. You know, Missouri's zone defense, it wasn't that good, but the Hogs really struggled with it. It was just kind of uh, awkward, maybe. I mean, you could tell that Muss had probably really been on their asses about, you know, not chucking so many threes like they did at LSU. So, you know, the Hogs were really trying to attack the gaps and get to the rim, but Missouri just really had it packed in. Like, there were no lanes for Arkansas to go through. You know, there were some self-inflicted wounds there with turnovers. Uh, you know, even the open shots just didn't really look comfortable for a long stretch there. And, and the second half was great. We'll talk about that in a sec. But I thought the end of the first half was huge. Huge. Jordan Walsh, I thought, really brought some life into the building. You know, when Arkansas was down there, he got a couple of tough baskets, got the lid off of the rim. You know, he was really battling on the glass, playing with, just with aggression, with toughness. It got the crowd going. They noticed that. That's the thing I love about Bud Walton Arena. The fans understand the game. They appreciate those little things, guys getting after it, diving for loose balls, getting on the offensive glass, playing with physicality. It got the crowd going a little bit, and Arkansas needed that. And then Muss had turned to Joseph Pinion off the bench. He flattened out that zone. You know, even when his first couple shots weren't falling, it changed the way that Missouri had to defend the Razorbacks because he's just a threat that has to be respected. Nobody else, quite frankly, in, in that moment was. But I think it was an, you know, an 8-0 run there to close the half that cut it to 7. It was 34-27 to at the half. I felt at that point that Arkansas was going to win the game. I thought the way that they closed the first half was, was key uh, in them getting over the hump. But I'm really, really impressed with the adjustments that Muss made at halftime. 
right? The man's a great recruiter, great marketer, everything Bossy said in that article, right? But he can coach his tell off too, X's and O's. Uh, made some great adjustments. You know, Ricky Councils, his plus minus at halftime was minus 18. Minus 18. That is insanely bad. So what it must do, he benched him. And he started pinion for the second half. That's a bold move to make. Savvy move to make. Not anybody would just would just bench their leading scorer like that for a freshman who really you know hasn't played that much. But it worked out. JP continued to play with great confidence. Again, he was forcing Missouri to defend differently than it wanted to. His presence was key in there. And then Ricky got the wake-up call that he needed. I mean, he promptly checks back in and explodes for 21 points in the final 15 minutes of the game. Arkansas doesn't win without those contributions from Council. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. And, you know, so that was a personnel decision. But, you know, like I said, the chalk matters too. You know, Arkansas went away from that zone offensive attack that wasn't really working. Uh, and they went to their open offense. You know, it's something they would run against a man-to-man defense. It's another savvy move by Muss. A lot of middle pick and roll. And you can do that against the zone. And that opens some things up. It helped a lot. It changed the trajectory of what they were trying to do on the offensive end of the floor. Plus, they sped the game up, you know, which is something that you need to do when the when the half-court offense is sputtering a little bit. Speed it up. Find ways to get out in transition. They did a good job with that. And, and you know, for what feels like the first time all year, <laughs> they really made a concerted effort to attack the offensive glass. They're so long, so athletic. Uh, it's been weird that they haven't been on the offensive glass uh, maybe at a higher rate than they have been, uh, but they were in this game. They had an advantage in size. 15 offensive boards were huge. That's a lot of extra possessions, second chance points. All those things mattered. So, you know, the first half was ugly, but Arkansas shot 61.5% after the break. That's really, really good. It helped them overcome 17 turnovers, a little sloppy, especially in the backcourt, but they found a way. And the, the defense was solid again. You know, I mean, look, they held the nation's third-best scoring offense um, 20 points under their average. That's really good. Knocking down 10 threes per game. They only made 6 of 21 in this one. Again, held them below their average. Demoy Hodge, Kobe Brown, the two leading scorers from Missouri, they were combining for more than 32 points per game. They were held to 17 total. Clamped them up pretty good. Defense carries. You can bring that every night because a lot of it is effort-based. Yeah, 
their rotations, you know, assignments, ball screen coverages, all that things. But in a lot of ways, defense is just about effort and getting after it. And you can bring that every game, even when the scoring isn't there. And I think that's something that we're going to see from Arkansas. It's been consistent so far this year. And I was really impressed with the way Council responded. You know, I thought Andrew Ellis wrote a nice article on his performance over at Hog Sports. And, you know, he really struggled at LSU, 5 of 19 from the field. You know, had some opportunities late in that game to maybe get Arkansas over the top. Couldn't convert. The first half with Missouri was not good. You know, you get benched, but he didn't pout. He just took his medicine. He took over in the second half. He had 21 of his game high 25 in the final 15 minutes of that game. 5 of 6 at the free throw line in the final minute, which was big because he missed some down in Baton Rouge. So I just thought he showed a lot of grit and, and leadership. That was a great bounce back effort uh, within the game from Ricky Council. Not a lot of people had that mental toughness and, and that resolve to be able to do that, but he did. I thought it was interesting, you know, when we asked him after the game about, you know, just his mindset and, and having to come off the bench in the second half. And he quickly reminded us, like, hey, I, I came off the bench all year last year at, at Wichita State. Yeah, he did. He was the sixth man of the year in his conference. So that's not necessarily something new to him. Joseph Pinion, I mean, let's go, man. You know, we kind of talked about it last week, you know, when, when JP only got a short look in that LSU game. You know, was he ready for that moment? I don't know. Uh, but we also talked about how just kind of given the makeup of the roster for the Razorbacks currently, it might just have to be a baptism by fire thing, right? You know, you have to have a guard who can come spell guys off the bench. So why not see what he's got? Man, he really delivered. So impressed. Career high in minutes. He had 13 points, a zone buster. He wasn't shaky, wasn't timid at all. Thought he looked calm, cool, and collected in there. You know, he knocked down three three-pointers, even the ones that he missed. Uh, just that threat, like I said, it kind of changes everything that Missouri was trying to do. You have to account for that. It made life easier for the other players on the floor, for the Razorbacks. You know, defensively, yes. There were a few times where it showed that, you know, he has work to do. Absolutely. He's not alone <laughs> on this team. Uh, but it's not like he's just getting cooked out there. You know, he had his moments, but to me, uh, there is no reason why Joseph Pinion can't be an adequate defender right now against, you know, the opponent's least threatening guard. You have lockdown defenders on the perimeter. You don't need to put him on the other team's point guard or the other team's leading scorer. Uh, it doesn't have to be the case. I think he's strong for a freshman, and he plays hard, and he's smart. So, you know, I'm really starting to come along to the idea, and that's not being, a, not being a prisoner of the moment, but you're starting to see a pattern with what he provided at Asheville. You know, got his feet wet a little bit there against LSU, but, hey, you know, this is against a top 20 team, you know, in, in front of 19,000 strong. Um, and for him to go out and deliver the way that he did, you start to feel more optimistic that he can be a consistent piece for this team off the bench, especially with the right matchups. So I'll be anxious to see, you know, what happens uh, down in Auburn. Can can we can he take the next step by translating that stuff to the road? Maybe, you know, what about when uh, when teams are going man instead of zone? Will he get his look? And, and when teams start to run him off the three-point line, how comfortable is he putting it on the deck and taking it to the rim? Or shot faking, taking a dribble and getting it over to the next guy? He looked pretty good against uh, against Missouri, but... We'll see how it translates moving forward, but he's definitely, in, in my opinion, earned some more tick and 
uh, could really help this team who, you know, quite frankly, we didn't know where they stood from a depth standpoint uh, 24 hours ago. And we really don't now because it's been so up and down and inconsistent. But he seems like a guy that, that could give you something that you don't have on a regular basis, which is consistent three-point shooting. So we'll see. Five turnovers for, for Devo. I mean, you know, he's been actually really good in that department most of the season. So too many there uh, against Missouri. It's just a classic Devo game, man. You know, like shot selection, it was not good in the first half. I thought he really started to get into that mid-range after the break, found a groove. I think he was 4 of 4 shooting in the second half. So he wound up with 10 points, 5 of 10 from the field. Cool. You'll take that. I don't think that I don't think that's too many shots for Devo with the roster like it currently is. You shoot 50%, great. You know, he also had 5 assists, 5 rebounds. He really did a nice job of locking up Hodge. Uh, you know, he's just a guy that makes winning plays. And, and like I've said on here a million times, when I do the player grade story, it's it just, I have such a hard time with Devo. I was telling people on our message board, like, you know, I'm, I'm up at two o'clock at night working on this and I'm texting Andrew Ellis. He's always at the games with me. I'm like, dude, how do we grade Devo? You know, like he's made all these, these plays that contribute to winning, but man, he just does things that make you want to rip your hair out. Um, but that's just the kind of player he is. And, and I thought he was really solid for Arkansas. Eric Musselman was really complimentary of him. Um, so, yeah, cut down the turnovers a little bit, but, man, you know, everything else that he did, I, I thought he was really solid in this one. Jordan Walsh and Makai Mitchell, man, you know, two guys, I felt that they both could have had double-doubles, but foul trouble impacted their minutes. Um, I thought they both played well when they were in there. I spoke to Walsh and, and the impact that he made, especially, you know, late in the first half when Arkansas kind of started to claw back into things. Um, I'd like to see Makai get some more touches, personally. He's good in there. You know, he's athletic. He's a good passer. He can finish. Um, I do think, you know, he, he would probably benefit from just going straight up and, and being aggressive, maybe dunking on somebody's head. He's that powerful and that athletic. Uh, but sometimes he kind of takes that extra dribble, gives the defender time to reset. Whatever, those are small things. But I, I think he could be a real weapon uh, for Arkansas offensively to go along with what he does on the defensive end of the floor. He's been a really nice piece uh, for the Razorbacks. So, uh, yeah, you know, you got to stay out of foul trouble, though. Kamani, I thought, did a really good job in his minutes. I think he played about 20. You know, he worked really hard on Kobe Brown, and that involved defending some on the perimeter, which is one thing you've wondered about uh, with Kamani. You know, how's he going to hold up when teams drag him out on the perimeter? And, you know, Kobe Brown is not a, you know, a, a super athletic guard or anything like that, but he's a stretch forward that can put it on the deck and, and shoot threes. Um, I thought Kamani did a good job there, and he was physical with him inside, took a charge on him. And then he, you know, he gobbles up the rebounds. He had eight rebounds, a couple putbacks. So that, that's what you need from him. It's good. Anthony Black, a little bit uneven again. Used two of seven from the field, five assists, which is good. Four turnovers, not so good. Uh, you know, to me with AB right now, and maybe I'm wrong, but it kind of reminds me of early in the season when he was just kind of feeling his way through some things, showing flashes, and then he eventually really busted out and started playing great. Well, he hasn't been bad, but we know that he's got more in the tank than what we've seen, you know, the last couple games here. So I wonder if it could be a similar pattern, you know, as he adjusts to SEC play and the way teams are defending him and the team. They're seeing a lot of zone. So maybe he's due for a big bust out here soon. I think it's coming. He did hit a huge three late in this game. You know, Missouri, to their credit, Arkansas, you know, kind of goes on a big run there. They, I think they pushed the lead out to eight. Uh you know, a lot of teams would have folded there, but I do got to give the Tigers credit. They battled back. They cut it to three 
there late. I want to say it was uh, 66 to 63 maybe, uh, you know, in, in about the final three minutes, and, and A.B. hit a huge three-pointer that extended the lead back out to six. You kind of felt like maybe it was a dagger. It was a big shot in that game. Uh, but I really like seeing him get to the floater. He knocked one of those down, and, and listen, you know, I think that could be an important thing for him moving forward. I like that. At his size as a point guard, I feel like the mid-range area could really be a sweet spot for him to take advantage of. And, you know, I do agree with, you know, with what many others have been mentioning, you know, in, in that maybe best-case scenario for Arkansas is that Anthony Black gets more aggressive uh, looking to score and hunting his shot. You know, similar to how he attacked in Maui. I'm, I'm not saying he's got to score 26 points for Arkansas to win every night, um, but I, I sure would like to see him in double-digit shot attempts per game. And I think he could do that while still impacting things the way that he does, you know, as a, as a distributor, uh, you know, a, a, a plus rebounder at his position and a good defender. Um, so I'll be anxious to see if, if he gets a little bit more aggressive here moving forward. Against Missouri, he didn't necessarily have to because you had guys who came off the bench and provided pop, like Pinion, got a little bit from Kamani. That's good. A little give and take. All right. It's kind of interesting, right? You know, Arkansas loses at LSU, then they beat Missouri. Now it's off to Auburn. So Tigers, 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 right? The Tiger hunt continues for the Razorbacks. This is going to be a very, very interesting matchup, I think, uh, Saturday night at Auburn. I'm not sure what to make of them. You know, they're ranked number 22 in the country for now. Uh, they are good. They're a good team. But they're not as good as they were last year. And I think this is a vulnerable team. You saw it last night when, when they got beat fairly handily uh, at Georgia, who's, I think, better than people expected. But still, I mean, if, you're, if you're a ranked team, uh, that's a game that you're expected to go win. They didn't. I think they lost by 10. So on the flip side of that, though, you know, just like we say a team better be 10 points better uh, than Arkansas to win in Bud Walton, the same could be said with Auburn, I think, at Neville Arena. They're a different team at home, man. It's not as big of a venue as Bud Walton, uh, but it's an awesome atmosphere. And they get the job done in there. They've won 26 games in a row at home. That's a lot. For reference, Arkansas has won 17 in a row at Bud. You know, they won uh, against Missouri last night, January 4th, and so that, that made it one year since their last loss. That just... Utterly disappointing game against Vanderbilt <laughs> when they lost by a point there. But 26 in a row at home for Auburn. So, you know, it's going to be a big-time challenge for the Hogs, and you have to add in, I think, the motivation that Auburn is going to have given how that last meeting between these teams went down. I asked Muss about it today. He didn't take the bait. But, you know, if you think back to that game, Auburn was, you know, they're number one in the country. They're rolling. Uh, Arkansas kind of took exception to them dancing on the logo at midcourt before the game. You know, the Hogs take them down in overtime. De you know, Devo delivers the tea bag to, to Wendell Green, and the fans storm the floor. Like, it was crazy. It was a lot. So, you know, it was an incredible moment in Arkansas basketball history, but imagine being on the other end of that. You know? Put yourself in those shoes for a sec. I have to believe that it left a sour taste in the mouth of, of Auburn's players, uh, their coaches, their fans. And, you know, while Arkansas is a team that has flipped a lot of the roster, Devo's back, you know, Kamani's back, Muss is there. 
Um, but Auburn has a ton of returners on that team. A t- honestly, all of their contributors outside of their center, uh, for the most part, are returning pieces who, who are going to remember that. And they're going to remember what happened when the last time they played Arkansas. So, you know, I think you, you better go ahead and settle in and believe that Arkansas is going to get the business in this road environment on Saturday. And I love it. I can't wait to see how they respond to this. What a great opportunity for a young team. You know, I feel like some of these guys thrive on it. That's one thing we've talked about with Arkansas at different points this season. Um, you know, they, they talk a little bit. They chirp a little bit. They've got some swagger about them. Now you're, you know, LSU is one thing, uh, but you're going to go into a, a you know, hostile environment, playing a team who's got a chip on their shoulder from last year, uh, you know, against a, a fan base that's known for being rowdy, um, and they've been waiting for a long time for Arkansas to come in there. They've had this game circled. How are the Hogs going to respond? Man, I can't wait for this game. I'm probably more excited about this game than I have been any other all season. Like I said, a lot of returners, you know, the same guards as last season for Auburn, talented, uh, undersized, inefficient, but also streaky, you know. You think about uh, Zeb Jasper, Wendell Green, Katie Johnson. These are all guys who are capable of, of erupting or shooting them right out of a game. You never know. I think Katie Johnson is, is one to really watch in their home arena because he's the kind of guy that really feeds off of the crowd. Right, he gets a lot, he gets energized by that stuff. And what worries me about him, you know, he's not as thick and and physically strong as as Trey Hannibal, who gave Arkansas so many so much fits from LSU. Uh, but he does have that kind of duck the head, you know, wrecking ball, drive to the rim through somebody's chest mentality. You know, sort of the you know the Hogs gonna be able to to respond to that a little bit better than they did in Baton Rouge. We'll see. You know, Wendell Green's a guy, he's got the ultimate green light from deep, even though he's not necessarily shooting it that well, uh, you know, this season. Auburn's not a high percentage shooting team from three this year. I think I think they're under 30%. Some familiar faces on the wing with those guys. You know, a couple Arkansas natives. Alan Flanagan, you guys remember him? He's healthy now. He had that Achilles issue last year. Never really looked the same, you know, even once he came back. But I think he's getting a little bit closer to form. Uh, this season, Chris Moore, we remember him. Well, Arkansas thought they were going to get him in 2020. He winds up going to Auburn. He's really been a bit player for him, but he's been starting a lot at the three. West Memphis kid, uh, kind of surprising because I, I I thought he was definitely more traditional power forward, but he's done a good job. Jalen Williams, the other Jay Will, right, for them. Uh, he, he's turned to a nice stretch forward for him. I think he's their best three-point shooter percentage-wise. But then, you know, it's all those returners, but then it's that center spot, man, because Walker Kessler, he, he ain't walking back through that door. Neither is Jabari Smith. But Auburn, hey, you know, they're still one of the best rim-protecting teams in the country. And, and Janai Broom, uh, Moorhead State transfer, he's really been a key pickup for them at the center spot in the portal. He's averaging a near double-double, uh, blocking a ton of shots. Dylan Cardwell is a returner to be aware of. He's taking a step forward this season, uh, really a high-energy guy, emotional player. Um, he kind of serves as primary backup, but that duo, uh, they do a really nice job of challenging shots at the rim at a high level. So, you know, can an Arkansas team that I think needs to feast on paint points uh, really attack those guys, you know, finish on them or over them and, and, and draw fouls and get to the free throw line? And I think that might be, you know, the key to the game along with how they handle the atmosphere because I do think that Arkansas can find success 
uh, on the defensive end guarding Auburn. Defense travels, and, and we have no reason to believe that it won't in this situation. But, uh, you know, definitely a, a tall task ahead. Like I said, 26 in a row at home for Auburn. Man, it would be awesome if Arkansas could break that streak. We'll see what happens. All right. Let's see here. Let's run over to the comments and see what we got going on. Again, I appreciate everyone who's tuned in live. I know it's like four hours later than normal, but I'm glad I waited, you know, because we, we got some good info from us and, you know, the Chris, Chris Beard stuff broke. So that was all important. But let's see here. Cody L. James, my man Curtis. Happy New Year, boss. Drop that Ron Holland info uh, you had now that Beard is fired. Yeah, so yeah, that's what we're waiting on. It, it was interesting. I didn't necessarily expect uh, that he was going to put that out there and just kind of reaffirm his commitment. Um, like I said earlier, I, I thought it was interesting that, you know, he, he kind of threw his support behind Rodney Terry, who, you know, assistant coaches, listen, they, they play a huge role in the recruitment process. It's not always just the head coach, but um, I thought that was interesting. And, you know, now I just wonder what's going to happen. You know, it, it's one thing to do that, but then, but then when things get real, you know, and, and Chris Beard is actually fired and he's gone, there's no coming back from that. Um, does that change, you know, maybe how they felt? I don't know. I, I, I don't know the answer to that question. And um, then, like I said, you, you know, when it's an interim tag with a high profile position like Texas, you just wonder what they're going to do with that. And when they would want to make a decision, you would think they would open it up and, and not remove the interim tag. Texas is playing really well um, under Terry. They did just lose to Kansas State. I think this is their first loss since he took over. Um, you know, but they've got a really good team. They're ranked in the top ten. What if they make it to the Elite Eight or something? They remove the tag. They bring in a high-profile name that, you know, maybe maybe Ron and, and his camp are happy with. Do they keep Terry on as an assistant? You just don't know, but I just wonder if they're going to wait it out to see. Because there's some risk involved with that, too. So, you know, I... I will be anxious to see if they make another statement. They're pretty good about that. Ron Holland's mom is awesome as a, as a PR person. You know, she's like a great spokesperson. And, and you know, when she tweets, I've always paid attention. You know, she put it out there earlier and was like, hey, please, we ask you, don't tag us in, in everything about this. You know, we know what's going on. And, and they've been monitoring the situation, so we'll see what happens there next. But if he opens it up, you better believe Arkansas is going to be in there. Drew Bethard says, uh, "Sounds like Nick Smith won't happen this year." Yeah, it 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 stinks. Yeah, I know it's a like I said, it's just an unfortunate situation, man, for him, uh, for the team that that's had such just high expectations, just centered around that, you know, that caliber of player, um, you know, and and then obviously the fans. I know it's frustrating. You know, I know I get frustrated sometimes because I get asked about it like six hundred times a day. Uh, but I always try to catch myself and be like, dude, it, you know, if you were in that position, you would want to know more too. You know, and, and so I, I do understand that. Um, you know, I, I wish that, that we could get some kind of finality on it, uh, good or bad. But I think that this, you know, it's just going to be one of those deals that kind of drags on. Uh, so we'll see. But what we do know is, you know, it's probably, probably not going to happen, um, at least for the rest of the month. So we'll see. Uh, Z Beeler, my man, says, what's up, Curtis? Great win last night. Yeah, it was good. It was a big one. Drew says, who cares if they go after Musselman? They won't get him. What they might do by going after Muss is get him a raise at Arkansas, which I think he's he's earned anyway. 
Z Beeler says, I thought our second half offense was really good against the zone. Uh, we really got to the middle of the paint and exploited it. Yep, I agree. Completely different look, you know, different vibe in the second half. Looked way more comfortable. It's kind of becoming a pattern of, you know, maybe a little bit slow out of the gates, but then really figuring things out in the second half. Dustin Hoofman says, I love seeing Walsh's game grow each week, scoring threat and strong defender. Yeah, he's really coming along. He really is. Um, you know, I, I thought, especially once, once I went back and watched the game again, I thought he was really uh, kind of an underrated performer at LSU. Nearly a double-double. You know, it was just such a frustrating game, and, and he was one of eight from three, I guess one of seven, you know, if you, if you take away that half-court heave at the end. Um, man, but he really made an impact, and I, I thought that was kind of a breakout moment. It was big for him to have that performance on the road, even in a loss. I thought he was well on his way to, to kind of doubling down on that, but foul trouble got him. Um, you know, I don't know about all the calls, but, you know, it, it has been a little bit of an issue, you know, a, a common theme maybe. Uh, so, you know. We'll, uh, we'll see if he can kind of avoid that moving forward because Arkansas is a better team when he's on the floor. Uh, that's for sure. Let's see. Uh, Cody L. James says, talking about making fun on social media about Beard, you should have seen some of the things Mizzou fans said about TB and Walsh. Yeah, you know, I, I saw some threads that were started about some of that. I haven't looked at it. Um, that stuff makes me roll my eyes. I hate that. Um, but I also understand it's just part of it, you know. And when you see that, it's usually a loud, you know, minority that's that's trying to speak for, you know, a majority of a fan base that wouldn't do something like that. Let's see here. I lost my place. I Man, these comments have gotten weird. You know, just they just pop up at different spots and it scrolls me back to the top. I don't know. What's going on? Here we are. Andrew Ellis, my guy, says, how, how good would Arkansas be if fouls didn't exist? Well, that's a good question because it, it would be nice if they would stay out of foul trouble, uh, you know, especially the guys we just mentioned like Makai and, and Jordan Walsh. And they definitely, um, you know, while the depth has taken a hit, uh, boy, you, you really want to avoid some foul trouble, don't you? But on the other end, they're so reliant on getting free throw attempts and getting to the line. Uh, how much would they score if they didn't have that? So, anyway. Scrolling through here. Yeah, man, I just keep on, I keep on losing my place. I, I think I got to most of them, but sorry if I, if I missed your comment. I don't, I don't know what's going on with these things. I know Trey used to have a problem with that. I'm going to have to ask him how he was able to, uh, to keep his place it's irritating but anyway pretty good show better late than never right thought it was a good one um you know looking ahead i i think that uh you know saturday it's obviously a road game i'm not going to auburn man i wish that i was uh so won't be doing a, a live reaction from out there but but maybe you know i think early in the week maybe on monday uh you know or, or, or tuesday it'll be a good idea to maybe hop on uh, and kind of get, you know, a little bit of a preview for this Alabama game because win or lose at Auburn, this Alabama game, uh, you know, for the Razorbacks is going to be a big one on the 11th. Musselman versus Oates. There's been some interesting battles, you know, in that series. Arkansas lost that one-point game in Tuscaloosa last year. So, you know, just like Auburn's probably been waiting for Arkansas to come to their place, Arkansas has probably been waiting for Bama 
uh, to come over to Fayetteville. So I think that's going to be an interesting one. But, you know, all eyes are going to be on Auburn. I think it's a 7.30 tip um, on Saturday. Great opportunity for the Razorbacks, so make sure you guys check that one out. Again, I appreciate everybody tuning in, whether you're uh, listening live or checking it out later on the YouTube or the podcast. Uh, you know, it's been Curtis Wilkerson here with Hogsports.com. Thank you, guys. Enjoy your weekend, and we'll catch you next time. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.